everyone, and welcome back to The Crash Couch. We have a really exciting episode planned for you this month. I'm your host, Chris McGuffin, and uh, I have some, well, a lot of faces joining me for this episode. I have Lou, who is uh, my trusty co-pilot. Lou, how are you? I'm doing great. Thanks. And we've decided to bring on a new permanent third host. Uh, you may recognize her from the last episode, Andrea. Andrea, how are you? Pretty good. Happy to be here. We, we have another Canadian on the network, which is good. We're starting to take over. Either <laughs> <laughs> we're just all migrating north. <laughs> this is where it's at. Yeah, I, I think Joel will be happy that he's not the only one now, so... And we also have uh, four special guests with us, uh, and I'm just going to let them introduce themselves uh, because they might be, if you are a Twitter user, you might recognize all or at least most of these people. So uh, guys, why don't you just introduce yourself, who you are? Uh, who should go first? Either that's one. one of, that, that's one of our challenges. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> that's like the- very true. You, you threw the test to the group, and you're going to let us fight it out for ourselves. Um, I'm going to let I'm going to let others uh, introduce themselves first. So why don't we start with uh, I'm going to say you know Krista Kalen, Brett. And me. <laughs> That's very Canadian of you, Bob. <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay, I guess I'll go first. My name's Krista Elaine. Uh, I'm a visual effects producer, uh, and I leapfrog with Kalen, uh, so I take care of the even block episodes. So uh, this year it's episodes three. Four, uh, seven, eight, uh, and eleven, twelve. And I am Kaylin, and like Krista just said, I do the odd blocks. So episodes one, two, uh, five, six, nine, ten, and thirteen. <laughs> you have to think about it. <laughs> yeah, and I'm yeah the VFX producer on the odd blocks. Hi, I'm Brett, and I am the even block visual effects supervisor. And so then work very closely with Krista, um, although we all do work very closely together as well. And I'm Bob. Um, this year, I'm, I'm one of the producers of the show as well. I'm also um, the, uh, the odd block VFX supervisor. So I'm just going to get the, the hard question out of the way now. What is blocking for those who don't know? Um, what we typically do is shoot two episodes together in what's called a block. And um, uh, it, it actually, um, in terms of production efficiencies, um, makes a lot of sense. So when we're on set on any given day, um, like, for example, this past week, I might be um, you know, involved in shooting scenes from uh, uh, episode one and episode two. So what we do is we, for example, um, you know, the writers collaborate and they'll make sure that characters that are in episode one are also in episode two and sets and uh, locations in any given episode are also in the same episode in the block. That way, we can can kind of consolidate our uh, our uh, um, efforts and, and and find more efficient ways. So, when let's say you know uh, let's say uh, uh, Kara G, who plays drummer, um, uh, comes in for um, for shooting, uh, her uh, you know her scenes that are in episode one and episode two are all filmed together. So we you know in 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 film and television production, you never shoot um uh, chronologically that's just impossible um you know so you know if you have a scene that takes place in let's say um you know 
Aaron Wright's office. And then there's another scene in the, you know, in the block that takes place in Aaron Wright's office. And then there's another scene that takes place later on in Aaron Wright's office. You shoot all those on the same day. You don't wait until, you know, it it goes chronologically. So that's what block shooting does. It affords you the ability to, to uh, book actors in a more uh, economical way. Um, It also, uh, you know, it it, uh, allows you to shoot sets in a more economical way. So you're not bouncing back and forth between sets because the minute you say, we're moving on to the next set, that's, that's an hour and a half of downtime. Um, Well, you know, the, the technical crew packs up everything and moves it, and everybody else is just sitting around twiddling their thumbs. So, so we, we that 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 notion of block shooting has been around for quite some time. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. It's it's good that you have you know multiple people working on the same blocks and different blocks because if it were me, I would probably get really confused about that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's, it's it's pretty much a standard in the in the industry now, so you get quite used to it. Mm-hmm. Well, thank you uh, for joining us for this. I'm really excited to uh, talk to you guys about this, and I, I'm sure Lou and Andrea are as well. Definitely. So, yeah, why don't you guys just give us a little bit of background uh, about yourselves and kind of how you got into the industry? Same order again? Yeah, you know, <laughs> whichever way you want to do it. <laughs> this is very uh, okay. Uh, yeah, so uh, if we're going in the same order, then... Uh, so I'm a visual text producer. I didn't, uh, I started out, I did go to film school way, way a long time ago. Um, uh, but I went to a school that uh, it was theory based because I thought I wanted to teach film. Um, however, at the end of my four year bachelor program, I uh, didn't want to see an, an inside of another school after that. I was, I was, uh, pretty burnt out. So I, I didn't go on to do my master's. I just finished with a bachelor. Um, but then I was like, okay, now what, uh, I, um, I didn't really know, uh, what to do because I didn't have any production experience, um, uh, through my schooling. So I just kind of plastered my, my resume out to anything in Toronto that was remotely film or television related, um, and I was very fortunate that a visual effects company picked me up and hired me as an intern. Um, and when I started there, I had no idea what visual effects was, how it was made. Um, I was so green. And my my boss, um, Wendy Lanning, who uh, I'm very fortunate to have hooked up with because she turned out to be um, a really important mentor for me. But she was teaching me and she'd be like, okay, so this is where we put the plates and, uh, and I'm with a blank look on my face, like, like plates you eat off of. Like I had no (laughs) idea. (laughs) Um, uh, but that's where I got my start and she taught me everything she knew, which I'm very, very fortunate for. Um, and kind of the rest is history. So cool. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, all right. So I'll continue the chain here. Um, I have no background in film or television. Uh, I actually went through school um, for environmental studies. So I did my bachelor and my master's. And when I was finishing up my master's, I was kind of really lost looking for a job. There wasn't a whole lot in the field. And Bob was just starting season one of The Expanse at that time. And he said, I need a visual effects coordinator. Uh, If you're interested, he actually told me that he did not want me to be in the industry. He said, I want you to stay as far away as possible from this industry. (laughs) Um, 
but I was I was desperate for a job, and I, I thought, you know, it's going to be four months, five months of filming, and then I'll be out and not looking for a job in my own field. And I started, and I just got sucked in so fast, and I have not looked back. I love it so much, and it was it was kind of a crazy introduction to the world because they, they, it's not a slow introduction. It's just pushed off the deep end completely. Not to insult Kaylin in any way, here, uh, way shape, or form here, but uh, yeah, not only did I want her to be in the industry, um, I had actually gone through five different people first looking for a, a coordinator, and they all turned me down. Um, for the, they all turned the job down. So I was, I was, sorry, Kaylin, I was desperate. <laughs> <laughs> well, now you can't get rid of me. So yeah, yeah, there you go. No, yeah, we were we were three weeks into filming before I finally got the before I finally got my production coordinator, no, my VFX coordinator. I feel like Brett. that would be hectic. <laughs> it, yes, yeah. I mean, all of our jobs are hectic, especially during production. It's mm-hmm. it's it's. It's not well, stopping. Yeah. The one thing that I'll, I will say is that um, Bob didn't have Krista or myself in the first season. So Kalen and, and uh, he and Kalen had to do the whole thing themselves. I, I don't know how they did it because yeah, wow. it's more than a full-time job for all of us. Mm-hmm. So you know, from my experience, anything with the word, you know, supervisor or coordinator is usually like hurting cats. So it's, <laughs> Yeah. Usually a full time job for anybody. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Uh I guess I'll jump in now. Um I uh went to uh film and photography school, um, which unlike uh Krista's school was more practical based. And I think that probably a lot of people from her theory based school ended up coming to our practical based school because they like to <laughs> get their hands. That's where I should have gone. <laughs> <laughs> um but that was here in Toronto and then out of my second year um of of uh taking uh, essentially it was a media course but film and photography were the the majors um i was hired at a company uh that uh did uh, primarily uh television commercials and uh music videos and things and one bob monroe also worked there so that was 27 years ago so bob and i have worked on and off mostly on um for 27 years so there's definitely a shorthand that we have that is uh pretty vital to to operating something uh or managing something as big as this show mm-hmm. um and then and an interesting uh little side story is that both uh, uh i decided that i was going to move to another company <clears throat> and bob you've heard me tell this story before uh but um and and so i did uh when at, at the first company that we were both working at um bob would uh would work Thursday nights because he was taking care of Kalen, who was uh, uh, very little at the time because his wife was working at the ROM. I think that's correct, isn't it, Bob? That is correct. Yep. And so I was in my new office at the new uh, at the new uh, studio, and Bob walked in front of me, and I said, "Hey, Bob," and he said, "Brett, what are you doing here?" And I said, "I work here." He said, "So do I." So we both went to that company without knowing <laughs> the same. Uh, on a Thursday night is when we yeah. met up. So it was amazing. Um, and then we worked together for years and years. And, um, and then uh, prior to uh, the expanse, I was uh, doing some other stuff in the business, uh, still supervising for about five years. And then, <clears throat> and then when he asked me to come on board the expanse, it was a no brainer and it just, it feels so right. Mm-hmm. 
And that's how I'm here. Wow. I like that. It feels so right. That's very nice. Um, well, the, the way I got into the business uh, was, was uh, unintentionally. Um, I have a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree, and uh, you know, back in the 80s, early 80s, as an artist, I was a purist. You know, I painted, I, I was a photographer, I sculpted, a you know, printmaker. That's, that's what I was. And a, uh, a colleague of mine, a fellow student of mine, came in one day towards the end of my fourth year and said, um, I just heard about this new um, uh, uh, program um, uh, in, in this field called computer animation, and it's a, it's a postgraduate uh, uh, program. Uh, you have to have a four-year arts degree and, and uh, uh, you know, or three or four-year arts degree, and would you be interested in, in, in applying? It's only a you know a year long. And I said, uh, what is it? And he says it's computer animation. And I said, making art on computers? Are you crazy? That's stupid. No one would ever do that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, not interested at all. But then I said, okay, where's the school? And he said, it's in Oakville, Ontario, which is a bedroom community about 30, uh, uh, 30 miles west of Toronto. And uh, I said, oh, interesting, because my girlfriend um, uh, happened to live there. She had just graduated from, from university, and that's where, where she was from. Uh, so I decided to apply. I got in and um, uh, uh, immediately fell in love with computer, anima- computer animation. Um, like it just, I, I took to it like a, like, a, like a duck to water. And, uh, uh, you know, there was no industry at the time. Like it was brand new. Um, you know, people were starting to create companies that, that, you know, did industrial videos and flying logos and some dabbling into commercials and uh, um, went along that way until 1993. And there was a new TV series coming to Toronto called uh, Tech War based on the William Shatner novels. And uh, and uh, Bill was going to star in it. He was going to direct and he was going to produce. And they were looking for a company in Toronto to do long format visual effects uh, they couldn't find one, so um, one of the producers, Stephen Roloff, decided to put together an in-house uh, department, and I was one of the people that they asked to uh, to join that department. And over the course of the year, um, uh, Bill and I became uh, really good friends, and, and when we wrapped the, uh, the, the four TV movies, uh, the Tech War TV movies, uh, Bill and I decided uh, we started a company together called Core Digital Pictures, which uh, ran for 16 years, and Brett worked at too, and he was our head of visual effects, and... Uh, um, after 16 years, we closed the company down, and I went out independently and started working, uh, uh, you know, a lot uh, on a lot of different uh, films and TV series, um, including the uh, the Dolphin Tale movies, which were made by Alcon, um, the same company that that uh, produces The Expanse. And one day, um, towards the end of Dolphin Tale two, I was down in Los Angeles for a for a VFX review, and uh, one of the owners of Alcon, uh, Broderick Johnson, came up to me and says, "You've done a lot of TV in the past, right?" And I said, "Yeah, the Tudors and the Borgias and, and what have you." And he goes, "Yeah, we're." Just, we're starting this new TV show in Toronto and uh, would like to talk to you about being the, you know, the VFX supervisor. And I went, sure. I like, I haven't worked in my own, you know, area for ages. I've, you know, been in Florida and Ireland and Hungary and Mexico and hadn't shot in Toronto for a while. And uh, he said, yeah, it's our first, uh, you know, first foray into TV. And, um, you know, and, you know, we're wondering like, you know, kind of how, uh, you know, VFX plays out and how budgets work and all that kind of stuff. I said, well, the, you know, the thing you got going for you is that, uh, you know, in TV, once you build an asset, you've got it for the whole series. And like I'm thinking, you know, in the Tudors, you know, we we built uh, uh, you know a, a good ch- a good chunk of London, for example, and we reused it again and again and again for the four seasons. And and so I said, so you get to amortize the assets over you know many seasons. And he goes, yeah, not so fast. Um, and then of course they sent me the first script, and I get to the end, and we all know what happened at the Canterbury, and it's you know one of the most elaborate CG you know assets I've ever seen. <laughs> and we just keep doing that again and again and again. Um, but anyway, they got me, uh, they got me, um, intrigued and I went in and, uh, you know, talked to a few people and, uh, 
uh, loved the project, loved the script, and, and that's how I got involved with The Expanse. And just to full, uh, come back full circle, um, you know, my girlfriend back in university um, is, uh, you know, she's now been my wife for 32 years. So it all worked out. <laughs> that sounds awesome. It's amazing it's how small rather, the industries can be and how, yeah. you know, how you guys feed off each other and stuff. Yeah. Great place at the right time, too. Yeah, there's a lot of that. Or, or, or there's recognizing that you're at the, at, you know, that the, the, you're at the, the, there's a right time and a right place. You know, recognizing the opportunity and jumping on it. Like that's, right. that's what a lot of people don't do. A lot of people, I think, in life are, are really given the opportunity to go. I should really capitalize on this, and, and I can move forward with it. And they, they kind of, you know, I don't know. They, they, they get a little bit. They handcuff themselves. They decide not to do it. Um, I think we're all given lots and lots and lots of opportunities. It's whether or not we act on it. And that's my philosophy, ph- philosophical um, aside for the day. <laughs> there you go. <clears throat> Bestowing his energies upon us. <laughs> Let me ask you guys a question on, on kind of your fandoms in, in terms of what your likes and dislikes are. I mean, obviously, you guys are all very invested in the expanse. Um, how closely are your personal tastes um, in in entertainment, in sci-fi in general, to to this? I'll let somebody else start on that one. Any takers? <laughs> <laughs> Lou left him speechless. I know how to shut a room down. <laughs> yeah, really. Well, I, I mean, I do have an answer. I'm, I'm, um, well, this, yeah, this, why don't you start, Bob? All right. This is this is the science fiction show I've been waiting for all my life. Um, I was never a fan of, of, of uh, uh, you know, rationalizing uh, things through words that visually just don't make sense um, or or over um, exposition of, of things. Like, for example, um, Narain uh, Shankar, who's our showrunner, who is the most brilliant showrunner on the face of the planet, um, couldn't work with a better person. Um, He's you know, amazing. Yeah, I think we would all say the same thing. He's the best. Yeah. He's phenomenal. Um, uh, his, 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 the way he puts it is this, um, when you get into your car in the morning and you turn on the ignition, you don't say, oh, I am putting this key in to turn on this, to turn this cylinder to engage my internal combustion engine. Like you don't get, you don't get that in real life. And, and this is what this show kind of capitalizes on our world, our, our solar system, our environment. It exists because that's what it is. And we don't get into exposition. We don't get into, you know, the, the closest thing we got into because it was a short, you know, it was a novella. And I think people enjoyed just kind of seeing the fans, especially like, you know, Solomon Epstein's drive in, in, mm-hmm. in so 206. Um, but uh, he didn't get into how it worked. You know, he just got in like, you know, it, the, the thing about drive that works quite remarkably, it's 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 about, the, you know, it's about the character. It's about the emotion. Yeah. Um, I mean, this man who finally realizes that, you know, in in, in 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 the initial moment realizes that he's actually done it and and the it is never explained all the fans know everybody you know everybody who knows the show knows and knows the books knows um but he's done it and then he realizes he's never going to see his wife again and what are you left with at the very very end he's never going to see his wife again that's that that's the cool thing about this show it 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 doesn't um it doesn't let uh, techno babble um, uh, uh, you know, override what are remarkably well fleshed out characters and 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 storylines. So that's why this is the science fiction show I've been waiting for since two thousand and one. 
Yeah, and I would say that like any really good science fiction, it really mirrors the times that we're in now as well. And um, that's pretty compelling, I think. Um, myself, uh, I've always been kind of a space nerd. I've always, you know, I remember one of the first books that I had that, you know, I, I have a, a faint recollection of my grandmother flipping the pages for me when I was so small, but it was about our solar system. And so uh, I have I have been into that f- since I can remember um, and uh, and have, you know, endeavored to do some uh, projects previously that would would get me close to that. I uh, one of the projects that I did was uh, the IMAX Hubble 3D film, um, which which I think is just gorgeous. If you haven't had the opportunity to see it, I would recommend it. It's just amazing. Um, but. What's amazing about this show as well is, is, as Bob was saying, the science aspect of it as well is, I mean, even though I've been into that my whole life, it actually, <clears throat> I learned so much more about the real, the universe, the world we live in um, through working on this show, you know, <clears throat> and Narain throws out terms constantly about, you know, the ecliptical of the orbits and this and that, and, and you, you really do, um, you know, have to start operating on that level. So for me, it's, it's it's satisfying in that way um, as well. But as Bob said, it really always, for me, any kind of entertainment comes down to how, um, you know, what, what it's really about the story and the characters and, and we, you know, use the tools that we have to help tell that story. Yeah. When, when, when your boss has a PhD in engineering physics, you better bring your game. (laughs) Totally. And And your textbook too. (laughs) And, and he never, and he always acts like he doesn't talk down about anything. He talks on that level. So you have to raise to that level. Yeah. I mean, in terms of, of other fandoms, like you had mentioned, I, I'm not the biggest nerd. Um, I've always been fascinated by space, but I never got into shows like Star Trek or, um, Firefly or anything like that. I, I'm a big uh, fan of character-driven, character-development type of stories. Um, I love some of my favorite shows would be, like, Lost, uh, Orphan Black, um, and all the way to shows like, you know, my my guilty pleasures, like Grey's Anatomy and um, Desperate Housewives. (laughs) I have have a wide, wide range of of interests on TV. Um, But, yeah, I, I love... The Expanse, and I think because there is a very good mix of the character-driven and development uh, stories and action. All the there's so much action going on. It's it's a great uh, mesh and combination of those things, which is I think is why I I really enjoy the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, without without character development, uh, you know all the best. The best visual effects in the world don't mean as much. So I think, exactly. you know, the story that, that's been put together has been great with that that combination. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing we talk about on the podcast too is how there are some episodes that you know not a lot goes on in terms of you know action and plot advancement, but there's a lot of character development there that is just so crucial to the show. And you know, some people might not pick up on that. But when you do, you realize just how smart the show is being by doing that. Um, one of my favorite episodes from last season is 207, which is, you know, it starts with that, the blood snowfall um, opening, <clears throat> which, which 
you know, to me, that's I, I really enjoyed working on that sequence. Um, but as far as the episode, I think it's what you're talking about. It 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 it, it doesn't seem like there's a lot of action or or it's kind of a, a, a quieter episode, but it's got got all of that Anderson does uh, um, storyline in it. And it for me, it's one of the more compelling episodes because of that. And, it, and it's part of the drama of, as you were saying, you know, you have a big action sequence and then it kind of quiets down for a little bit, tells the story. And it's very smartly written that way, I think. Mm-hmm. And it's something that we've talked about in the previous podcast that even the smallest of characters, they do make you feel something for them. And, and that's fantastic because even one that just is there, makes an appearance and then they die. And then you're just <laughs> feeling so empty after it's. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it's very good the way that they do it on the show. Krista, what about you? Um, yeah, I agree mostly with Kalen. Um, I, I, um, I love sci-fi. I wouldn't say I'm uh, like a, a sci-fi fan, super fan or anything, but I, uh, if it's, if it's got a really good, strong story, if there's characters in there that I, um, can relate to or root for, um, then I'll, I'll love it. And I'm, I'm like Kaylin in the fact that I don't discriminate between genres. Um, basically if there's, like I said, a good story, strong characters, then, um, then I'm in. And that's a huge part of, like everyone else has already said, why Expanse is so amazing because, uh, they give you a reason to root for or hate or feel something for all the characters that are in the story. And I feel like a lot of um, visual effects heavy shows kind of rely on the visuals too much and they don't spend enough time to really delve into who the characters are. Why should I care about this person? Why do I care that this person is going on this crazy adventure? Um, why should I care if they live or die? And um, Expanse does a really good job of giving us a reason to care. Mm. Yeah, that's a good way to put it. I I, I really like how the Expanse is, it, it's kind of a mesh of a bunch of genres. Like, yeah, sci-fi is the overarching one, but you also have a mystery in there. You have a thriller, you have an action, you have an adventure. And it just, it meshes so well together. And I think really... That's why the show has something kind of for everyone, even if you're not mm-hmm. the biggest sci-fi fan in the world. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Andrea, I know you had some questions you wanted to ask. Yes, they're more about the production and the work that you guys do. Um, one of the first ones is how long does it take for you guys to do, for example, a second's worth of footage for the show? Uh, do you mean a second of visual effects footage? Yes. Oh, that's a little quick because uh, it's it's really based on uh, um, complexity more than anything. Like a you know a, a monitor comp uh, that's a five second shot, um, an artist could probably do in a day. So okay. so you know you're looking at you know five seconds worth of screen time, and that's one person one day. Uh, wow. You take a look at something like uh, you know the the the, the protomolecule hybrid in two thirteen, um, and uh, that is a team of people working for many many weeks to get that same five seconds. Um, so it really uh, it really depends. Uh, 
I would say I'm just going to do some some quick uh, quick cipher in my head here. Um, the, let's see. Yeah, I would say you know, for example, a uh, um, uh, you know a shot of the hybrid, um, a five second shot of the hybrid could be fifty person days to do. Wow. Um, wow. And and the reason I say 50 person days is because it's not one person taking it through the whole pipeline. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, you get a, you get, uh, you know, somebody doing the animation first. Um, and that, and that would typically be one person per shot. And then, you, you know, once the animation is, is approved, that goes into the, uh, the lighting department and, you know, they add lights and, uh, uh, you know, make it look like it's integrated into the set. And then that goes into compositing. And then you have a compositor who takes that on and, uh, you know, uh, goes through very, very sophisticated um, uh, software that uh, layers it into the background plate and, uh, you know, does all the tweaks and balances and color balances and, 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 and depth of field of lenses and all that kind of stuff. And that takes, you know, days and days and days also. Um, and then, you know, Narain and Brett and I will look at it and go, yeah, not quite right. And, you know, we don't go all the way back to square one, but we go, you know, we cycle back and, you know, tweak the animation. Then it goes back, you know, through the lighting pass again and the compositing pass again, uh, because they're very, very complex. And we're, you know, we're, we're looking to make things as, as perfect as we can. So it's, uh, you know, yeah, shots like that, um, you know, but, you know, simple, simple comp or wire removal, one person day, um, big complex stuff. 50 to 60 person days for five seconds for five seconds of screen time. And that's really nice to know because I mean, we see it and we're like, yeah, that's so easy. Um, But we don't see really how much work it takes to actually do specific scenes. Okay. So Um, if anybody says that's easy in front of me, I'm going to punish you and hire you. to work. (laughs) (laughs) I think what surprised me the most about that was, was when you first started out saying, yeah, you know, uh, just a screaming put on there, that's a one person thing for a day. And I'm like, (laughs) and and by the way, that's not easy either. Yeah, I'm sure it's not, but just <laughs> yeah. the fact that you, you know, almost like you yeah. said, yeah, it's just that's an easy thing. Just takes one person a whole day. Yeah, like, well, easy for one person for a whole day. That's still a lot mm-hmm. of time. Yeah, exactly. It's relative. You know that that for, for us, you know, a you know a, a, an averagely complex shot is probably about you know 15 person days. Um, you know, so by saying a one person day, that that relatively is easy. But uh, you know, you're, you're you, you have to remember that. Um, and one of the things that, that people don't quite understand, even even sometimes when they've been on a tour of one of our VFX vendors and they see this firsthand, um, this is an extremely labor-intensive process. You're, you are working at a, on like a frame at a time. Sure, yes, the computer and you know takes the keyframes or what have you and interpolates in between, but we literally go through everything a frame at a time on this show. Now, you keep in mind that we have over the course of the uh, first two seasons um, – we have somewhere around the like you know between forty five hundred and five thousand visual effect shots, and 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 not only do the vendors go through it a frame at a time, but also the uh, you know the the the, the um, uh, uh, Brett and Narain and I go through it a frame at a time. Every artist goes through it a frame at a time. You have no idea how many times how many eyeballs have been have been uh, applied to every single shot that ends up on the screen. And that's why when we do something like misspell Phoebe, we're gutted. <laughs> like, <laughs> um, even our uh, our coordinator last season, and she will be again. She'll be joining the team soon. Allison McLean, um, McMillan. She, sorry, sorry, McMillan. I'm sorry, Allison. Um, uh, I knew that. Um, she uh, was very surprised 
to, uh, to uh, she said, I had no idea that this much went into to this much scrutiny went into to everything you guys do. And that was somebody on our team. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, so we're, this we're, is a time where I say, I mean, it's easy. Can I be on set so I can work with you guys? <laughs> that would be really nice to see. <laughs> well, the, the the bulk of the visual effects work is done in dark rooms and office buildings in downtown Toronto. That's that's where the that's where that is. Um, uh, you know, the, 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 to be honest with you, and I hope none of my uh, uh, VFX vendors are listening to this. Uh, I've got the easy job. Um, you know, I have to, you know, my, my job is to sit on set and same with Brett, um, uh, during his blocks, we, you know, sit with next to the director and our director's chairs and we look at monitors and, you know, we talk to the actors and we block out what they're going to do. And we, you know, give them, you know, the insights because, you know, they're obviously acting to, to, to stuff that maybe isn't there. Um, um, you know, the, the, the actor that was just the master at that was Tom Jane, um, uh, you know, with the three holograms, he's just, he just, he, he was, it was unbelievable that he could actually see what we hadn't yet seen, but we'll, you know, we will have seen later on. Our uh, theory actually was, sorry, Bob, our theory yeah. was that he actually could see it. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he, he just, when, when you see his actions in a 3d hologram and the way he spins it and points at things that like, like, you know. Brett and I only gave him the broad strokes. He did the rest himself. He was just, he was just phenomenal. But like, like, you know, going back to my original point, we, you know, we, we, in, in terms of what we're doing on a daily basis on set, uh, you know, we have the, uh, the, the easy job, but I would say that in prep when we're, you know, trying to, uh, reconcile budgets and, and, and convince people that shows are as complex as, as they, as they, as they are. And, and in post when we're, you know, doing, uh, you know, reviews six or seven days a week, sometimes as late as, you know, midnight with the rain, because by that point he's back in, in, in Los Angeles and they're three hours behind. And, uh, you know, we're, you know, doing a, you know, a two hour visual effects review and we're looking at 70 shots that night. Um, you know, that does get difficult too, but, but for the most part, I'd say that the, uh, the, uh, you know, the unsung heroes of our, of our industry and our department are the, 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 you know, the actual artists who have their bums in, in seats, staring at screens in dark rooms, uh, day after day there uh, and and, and uh, without a doubt when you walk into uh, you know a company like like rocket science or spin or switch or keyframe or oblique um, uh, the, you know Mavericks torpedo um, they are the, uh, the, the 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 level of intelligence in the room is actually more intimidating than dealing with someone like Narain or an actor um, you just you just get in there and you go. I hope I can hold my own, and they don't f- figure out that I have no idea what I'm talking about. <laughs> I'm kind of. So I have a little bit of. Idea. I'm kind of curious about the advancements in visual effects over the years. Um, per- personally, I think that, and this is not just because I'm on an Expanse podcast and I'm talking to you guys, but I think the Expanse visually is hands down one of the best, not just science fiction shows that's been on television in years, but just shows in general that, that utilize a lot of um, computer effects. I mean, it just looks phenomenal week in and week out. And, you know, there was a time when a show like Battlestar Galactica was praised for that. And, you know, The, the Expanse has, I don't want to say, cause I'm not knowledgeable enough to say it, but I, I don't want to say it's, advanced technology but it's really i think for for tv especially it's really just put it kind of on a different level than in the same way that battlestar galactica did in the early 2000s um i'm kind of so my question is 
how has visual effects changed from even just somewhere like five years ago to now? And is it, you know, more easier or is it more complex? You want to feel that one, Brett? Um, it, it's different. <laughs> I, it's, it's not, I wouldn't say it's easier. Um, there's an old saying that, um, and it's not, it's maybe a little out of date now, but there's an old saying that, that used to go that it's always going to take 20 minutes to render a frame. <clears throat> now, some of our assets like the Navu uh, take like 11 hours to render a frame. Hmm. But the whole, the, 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 uh, the premise of it's always going to take 20 minutes is that you're always improving or uh, um, pushing the, the, what can be done. And so as computers get faster, also so does the complexity of what we're trying to achieve. Um, which is where that it's always going to take 20 minutes to do um, comes from. So I would say that, uh, you know, with the speed of computers and um, and the uh, the software is is no less complex. In fact, it's continually uh, getting more complex, but it allows you to do things that might have been a lot harder. For example, um, manipulating particles for explosions or, um, you know, that kind of uh, a natural um, – phenomena recreating that kind of uh work uh is is easier to initially set up but it now allows you to uh to to make a lot more uh like tweak it a lot more and and uh add a, a lot more complexity to it so i i think what you are seeing in the difference between battlestar galactica and what we're doing is very accurate i think that you know it's just the the tools um and 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 the knowledge uh, of of how to use them and what we are trying to achieve has increased. Um, but really, the the fundamentals of what we do hasn't changed all that much at the foundation. I mean, it's similar. <clears throat> I always describe what we do uh, in the in the the digital end of uh, end of filmmaking is. Uh, recreate what happens on the set. So, you know, if there are, uh, you know, you recreate the lighting, you create the cameras, the specifically, if you used, for example, uh, a different lens on for our digital asset that went into a shot, say you had, a, you shot something with a 24 millimeter lens on set. If you didn't use a 20 mil, 24 millimeter lens digitally to put that, whatever, whatever it is that, uh, the the put the Rossi into that shot or I mean that's probably a digital shot so it doesn't make total sense but if you were going to uh, put the hybrid in into the uh, the cargo bay and you used a different lens for example on a very simplistic level it would not match and you may not know why it doesn't look right but but that's kind of what we do is is pick out those things so um, and 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 figure that out but so in other words we're really trying to recreate or we have to recreate what happens on set. Um, as far as lighting, cameras, everything. Um, so really at the foundation of it, we have to fit into that world, uh, which is a world that's essentially, although there's been new technology constantly, it's essentially things are done the same way they have been for a hundred years. Hmm. So, yeah. And, 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 and the other thing that I, I, I will throw into there, and I'm going to lead, um, hopefully, um, Krista and Kalen into, into, uh, uh, putting their two cents in um, with this, uh, you know, as, as far as we go with the technology and the creativity in terms of visual effects and the improvements and, um, uh, you know, doing things today that, you know, five years ago were just 
you, you couldn't, um, uh, you couldn't even conceive of. Um, the audience expectation uh, and sophistication levels have have risen um, uh, at the same uh, at the same time. So 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 people, you know, uh, you know, great. I love what you did, uh, you know, in the last episode. Show me something cooler next episode. Um, the, uh, the, the audience, like I said, the audience expectations, um, are, 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 are kind of, you know, on a, on an upward trajectory constantly and, and certainly the sophistication. Um, so, uh, you know, both the, you know, being that, uh, Kalen and Krista, um, you know, never got into this from a sci-fi perspective and, and enjoy kind of, you know, all genres and all, all categories of, of, of film and television. What are your thoughts as, um, uh, you know, audience members? Uh, I'll jump in. Uh, so my thoughts are that um, I, the thing I hear a lot from from various fans um, is uh, they're super critical and, or or exacting, and they have um, uh, very high standards uh, as they should and. Uh, and as we should try to try, um, we should try to match, meet those standards. However, I hear a lot like, oh, that was such bad visual effects, uh, or that shot looked so bad. And um, uh, as a professional who works in the visual effects industry, um, it it's a little hard to hear sometimes, um, not necessarily because it's untrue, but it's because there's so much hard work that goes on the screen that isn't even noticed sometimes. And, um, uh, and that's our job, like a good visual effects shot. You should never even notice it because it should just feel natural and part of the scene and part of that world. Um, and sometimes maybe a shot, doesn't quite fit and that's what you're picking up on um and uh a lot of the things that we're fighting against on our end uh a huge uh challenge is time so i sometimes feel like oh maybe they didn't quite have the time to make it perfect um so a lot of the times i uh i feel like the we try to, it's, it's challenging to work within the, the t- confines of time and, uh, and having enough time to really make a shot what we want. Um, uh, where am I going with this? <laughs> <laughs> I did have a point, but I, I think I, I kind of lost, fell off the rails a little bit. <laughs> well, uh, Crystal, let me jump in and ask you something that you mentioned a second ago. You talked about sure. fan expectations, um, uh, of the visual effect shots and stuff. How does it differ for you working on a show like this where there is so much, um, you know, source material to go from versus something else you've done that doesn't really have a lot of that background where fans don't have anything in their mind about what they expected to see. Mm-hmm. Are they as critical on those kind of shows? I, I, I see you worked on Killjoys and I don't right. know yeah, that's other material for that. Um, I, yeah, Kill, I worked on Killjoys right before The Expanse and that was the first um real sci-fi spaceship type uh show i worked on and um although it's similar in that they both uh, both the expanse and killjoys um take place in space they couldn't be 
farther apart from each other. They're such, such different shows. Mm-hmm. And the expectations of um, what is seen in those shows um, varies widely. Uh, that's not to say that one show's better than the other. It's just Killjoys knows what it is. Um, it's built with, um, well, first of all, their budget is much smaller. So that right there restricts, um, for instance, how, like the number of shot CG shots we can have, mm-hmm. um, and the number of ships we can build. Um, so right there, our world is smaller in terms of visual effects. Um, and plus they were writing, uh, Sure, the visual effects is a component, but it was it was kind of more on the campy end. It knew what it wanted to be, and and it and it fulfilled its potential within that world. Um, so, Killjoys is great for the genre it was trying to fulfill. Um, and Expanse is completely different because its number, as I mentioned, its budget is much larger. Um, it's based on a world of books that have already been established. The uh, the showrunner Narain is uh, a PhD, like rocket science scientist. So he has certain expectations uh, scientifically that um, were never imposed on a show like Killjoys. So um, our the expectations on on the Expanse are just so much higher and bigger. And that's, we love that about it too. Yeah, no, that's a great thing. I love it. Yeah. I mean, from my point of view, I mean, there's all kinds of sci-fi out there and some of it's kind of a popcorn fun sci-fi that you don't expect a lot of real, you know, realism in versus, you know, the expanse, which is based in realism. And you take us and move us ahead a couple hundred years. And that's kind of what I expect to see. Um, you know, I, I grew up down in Florida going to school and, and was really close to the space center. So the space is kind of in my blood when you get to that kind of stuff. And this just seems like the natural progression. And if you see something that looks out of the ordinary, like that doesn't look like it would be the way it would be, you know, it's, you, you kind of mm-hmm. get that impression. So yeah, I'm sure the fans are going to hold you to a little higher standard in the expanse universe, but the response though has been, it's been amazing, I think, mm. um, to, to the work that we do. So they, we, I mean, uh, I, I've said before, they, they hold us to a, a very high standard, but we really work hard to meet it. And you yeah, guys I, was, I, was at, I was at a, a, a um, an attendee in the audience. I wasn't, wasn't actually on this panel, but Narain and uh, uh, Ty, Mark Fergus, and uh, Kaz Anvar were on a panel with a whole bunch of actual real scientists from Caltech a few months ago <laughs> uh, in California. And uh, I was there um, with a you know couple of other cast members and crew members and what have you. And uh, one of the things, um, this fantastic, real um, you know astrophysicist by the name of Jesse Christensen from uh, from Caltech, uh, she made and she was on the panel and she made mention of the fact that at one point um, we did something in the show. I can't remember exactly what the moment was where where her husband, who's also like an astrophysicist or an astronomer, um, uh, uh, they were watching the show and, and she jumped up and yelled, "Yes, they got it." <laughs> uh, you know, we get those reactions all the time. We get, you know, we get uh, people at JPL and 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 uh, Caltech and other organizations or schools saying, uh, you know, anything we can do to jump in and, and you know give you guys a hand, let us know. Mm-hmm. You know, we're 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 definitely uh, we're definitely a favorite of the uh, of the scientific community, and um, for that, uh, I, we could all be very very proud. 
and I think that's the nice thing. I mean, when you look at the shots that you guys help to create, the subtleties that go into them, you need to have a good eye for them. And when you do see the, the little details, they're like, wow, they took the time to not just focus on how it would look as a whole, but looking at how the metal would burn if you're going to go and take off. Like those little things, they do mean the world. And, and I think a lot of the fans appreciate that for sure. Yeah, we, we we look for those opportunities all the time. Um, uh, it's uh, it's it's kind of become, I think, a little bit of a signature of our show is that uh, um, you know we 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 we're the macro and the micro. We you know mm-hmm. not or the other, uh, and uh, uh, it, it, it's important. It's important to us. Um, you know, it's it's important. Not only is it important to us to actually do it, but it's so. Uh, rewarding and fulfilling when, you know, I'm on Reddit and I see somebody makes mention of the fact that, uh, you know, one of the little tugs got slagged in 204 and uh, we got this, you know, we got this little, you know, little detail here that we did or this little detail and, and people are seeing it and I'm just going, this is, this is why, you know, we're putting this effort into it. It's, it's, mm-hmm. it's for, for, for the fans like, you know, that, that, that really, really, really get it. Um, you know, it's funny, you know, a lot of people don't get our show, but the people who get our show really get our show. (laughs) And now that brings up another question. Um, when the fans do find little mistakes here and there, are they changed for the DVD release? Like, or do they just stay there and you guys have to live with the fact that there's something spelled wrong or something like that? Nope. They're changed. Okay. Yep. Um, we go into it right away. Um, uh, you know, we don't, uh, obviously we, you know, we missed the broadcast opportunity. Mm-hmm. Um, but, uh, um, we do change for the, you know, we do modify for the DVD. Um, when, when, when at all possible, there have been a couple of occasions where we couldn't because, uh, uh, I, I think like you know, for whatever episode it was or, or what have you, we were already like, you know, uh, the DVD version was already locked, but um, I would say 90% of them are fixed okay. uh, and, and love the fact that the fans catch them. Um, uh, you know, love the fact that, uh, you know, the, well, and actually, you know, there's one, there's one example I won't get into, but it's just like, you know, not only did they have the eyeballs of the fans on it going, uh, there was a spelling mistake, but we had it in every one of our scripts written by every one of our writers. <laughs> <laughs> right. So we just interpreted the script, uh, yeah. uh, but that was wrong. So, we went yeah. back. Yeah, our, our first course of action is when we when we find out there's a spelling mistake, we go we you know we 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 immediately think, okay, somebody you know in in a department somewhere misspelled it, and then we go back to the script to check. And in this particular case, every single version, every draft, every 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 episode had it spelled incorrectly in the script. Oh, so look at that. yeah, they had one job right. <laughs> <laughs> Just kidding. Somebody's going to message me and be like, how dare you? Um, I do have a question for Kaylin and Krista. Um, In terms of the episodes that you guys have worked on individually, which one has been the most challenging to work on and which one has been your most favorite? That even though it might have taken a long time, you were like, this is something I'm really proud of. Uh, I can start here. Um, I think that the most challenging is always the beginning for me, like the first two episodes. So block one for me, because you're just getting back into it. Um, trying to get into the swing of, th- swing of things, trying to wrap your head around the story for that season. And it's the, the kicking off point. Um, so I find those are usually 
a little more challenging. And by the end of it, you know, we're on a roll and we're, we can do this in our sleep at the end of it. Um, it gets, it gets easier. Um, but I think 213, um, was challenging just because it was so big and we were so down to the wire, um, with delivering that episode because every episode is so huge and then it just keeps it dominoes mm-hmm. into, into all the other episodes. So that was, that was big and stressful, but the reward on that, like it's, it's amazing. It's such a good episode and yeah, it just, yeah. <laughs> um, for me, I would say, I mean, they're all challenging. Um, but the, the most challenging one for me was, um, when all the belters were flying down to Eros. So, oh, yes. uh, I forget which episode that was 204. 204. Yeah. yeah. That was so challenging, especially, um, in, on the, uh, planning production side, we would sit in these meetings and everyone was like, cause, cause the ship is on, is one way. And then Eros is the other way, but they're landing upside down and they're flying one direction. And, um, so we had like, at one point someone had like, a football and they had taped things around this they football taped the catwalk to it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> to and like we had little like hand models and we we're all trying to like mime it out with our hands and like drawings and just trying to wrap your head around that sequence was so challenging. Um, and like, how are we going to shoot it? And well, if, Miller's going this way. How is he landing? Is he, when he approaches the catwalk, is he upside down? No, he's the other way. No, but then Diogo goes, does this. So that was really, really, really hard to first understand what they were talking about and trying to visualize it and get everyone on the same page of what was happening and how we're going to shoot it. And then trying to disseminate that information to the vendors in a meaningful way. <laughs> um and get them to understand um, how to use the elements that we're going to be giving them. <laughs> and, and I would just jump in to say that, and part of that starts with the the uh, the real world wonky orbit rotation of the Eros asteroid. So we started with what that is actually doing, which led to the complexity and everything else. Um, just to tie back to the whole science of everything. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it was challenging to wrap your head around the science of that whole sequence. But once we did, and once um, it was completed, it was such a beautiful sequence. I think it's actually one of my favorites it, um, the, that I worked on anyway. I thought it was wonderful. That's awesome. I actually have a question for uh, Kaylin specifically. You mentioned that when you first started working on the expanse that you had like little to no experience with this. Uh, what was that like? Just like kind of being thrust into a show for sci-fi. I mean, if that were me, I would be, you know, nervous as all get out. I, I couldn't imagine, you know, what it would be like for you. Yeah. I mean, to be honest, I didn't, when I came in, I didn't understand the scale of the show. I thought, um, you know, I'm going to be a coordinator. I'm going to be organizing stuff and like, how hard can that be? Right. I was a little naive. (laughs) I didn't really understand the scale and the complexity of the show. And I don't think I really understood it until I came out the other side because I sort of just dove in and I was just like working, working, working. And then when I came out the other side for a breath of air, when we finished, I was like, Oh wow, that, (laughs) that was intense. 
Um, but I'm lucky in the way that my strong suit, my skill set is, um, I learn very quickly. I'm very organized. I was always the leader of team projects and stuff in school. I, I like to take the lead and keep people organized. Um, and like I said, I learn very quickly. So when last week for season three, when I started full time, um, I had to catch up on everything because that was, it was my first week and production had already been running for many weeks prior. Um, so getting caught up was, it was an intense week last week, but I mean, I'm now I'm, I feel like I've been there for like months cause I, I just caught up so fast. Um, yeah, I, it's, it's a crazy show. It is absolutely massive. And I, I definitely didn't know that when I started. Mm-hmm. I know when I first started watching the show, um, it was mainly because Lou was saying, yeah, you need to uh, listen or you need to watch The Expanse when it comes out because the books are really good. And I had started reading Leviathan Wakes and uh, I enjoyed it. And then I saw that the show was coming out and I said, well, I don't want to ruin it by reading the books and then having to watch the TV show. So now I just watch the show and then I will go back and read the books. Uh, whenever the uh, show covers at least one of them. I need to actually get to Leviathan Wakes. But, um, yeah, I, I, I had no idea when I was going to start watching this that I would just fall in love with it so so easily. Yeah. And I can just imagine working on it, too, would just be, um, just be a, a phenomenal experience. Yeah, it's really cool. Yeah, I've been in the business for 30 years, and I actually have to say, yeah, it's really damn cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, the, the crew is amazing to work with. There's, you know, there's no bad seeds, you know, which sometimes happens. Everybody's amazing. It's very collaborative. Uh, it's uh, it's thrilling to work with Narain through the post end of things. Essentially, as Bob said, it's. it's the four of us usually on a call with him, uh, just going and designing shots often. Um, but it's, it's so much fun. It's so creatively rewarding. It's so challenging. Um, it's an amazing show. It's, it is probably the most enjoyable show I've been on ever. Yeah. Like Bob always says to me, he's like, kid, you have no idea how good you have this. Like <laughs> yeah, you're wrecked. It's not, <laughs> you're wrecked for everything. It's not like this on other shows. He kept saying, it's just like, this is totally different. And this is like, we're so, um, lucky to be on this with this amazing crew. Well, hopefully this goes for many, many, many more years and you won't have to experience anything less than this for a while. <laughs> um, I, have, I have one last question just out of curiosity from my own need. Um, as far as visual effects shots, I mean, obviously this isn't something you throw together in an afternoon and say, okay, that's what we do for the next episode. How far out do you have a list of shots you need and or, how much of the story do you guys know? Uh, I mean, I understand people working on movies and TV don't always have all the pieces to put the puzzle together, but um, if you just kind of go into a little bit about that, I mean, I don't want any spoilers. Well, I want spoilers, but I'm not going to ask you for any spoilers. But uh, um, you know, how far out do you guys have an idea of what you need to do, and is, is the complexity of the shot play into how far out you have to work on those? Yeah, uh, well, well, because, um, you know, I know I'm making an obvious statement here, but visual effects are a, a very integral um, a component to this show um and uh you know i've got such a, a, a we all do all four of us have such a great relationship with with Narain and uh you know my relationship with alcon goes back many many years um we are kind of on the first level of distribution for anything outlines uh season arcs 
you know, when writers drafts comes out, uh, come, when writers drafts come out, um, we're not waiting for anything. Uh, we, you know, as, as soon as the writers have basically satisfied their own um, uh, uh, needs in the writers' room and 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 they're you know good that they want to start distributing this, we're on, we're on the first order of distribution. Um, you know, we just. For example, just yesterday we got the you know, the writer's draft of episode three hundred five, I think three hundred six. Um, so uh, uh, you know we're not we're not wanting or waiting for anything. Um, we know uh, uh, you know we've seen the uh, the outlines for for the episodes. We know we know where the story's going this year. Um, uh, in terms of visual effects, uh, um, uh, you know, and a lot a lot of a lot of things are budget driven. You know, you 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 take a look at a at a script and you. Kind of you know do a breakdown and uh, uh, I don't mean a a, a, a a mental breakdown although that does happen <laughs> at the end <laughs> but you do a breakdown of the script and uh, um, you uh, you know apply numbers to it and you think okay you know this shot's going to cost this much and this shot's going to cost that much and you add up all the uh, the costs you know in the spreadsheet and you look at it and go well we can't uh, afford this episode um, so you know we go back to Moraine and you know I'll have a meeting with them and. Uh, you know, come up with some suggestions, and then Kaylin and Krista and uh, Robin Griffin, who's a, um, a you know a new VFX producer uh, uh, who's not on this call right now. Um, she wasn't on seasons one and seasons two, uh, season one and season two. Um, you know, you know, they all have meetings with the you know the various uh, uh, you know money people and say we have to you know uh, scale this back. But at, once everybody kind of gets a okay, there's a consensus. We're moving forward. Um, uh, you know, we then turn over uh, work to our VFX vendors and say we need previs for, for for this particular scene, or uh, you know, here's uh, you know storyboards, here are the concepts. So so those things are happening right now, even though we haven't you know we we've been we're three days into filming uh, 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 season three, um, we've already had uh, uh, VFX vendors um, uh, doing previs and blocking and uh, starting on shots, uh, that are, you know, we know are going to be in the show no matter what, because they're, 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 you know, sometimes connective tissue. You can't, you can't tie two scenes together without them or, or, uh, you know, they're huge, huge story points, um, and big scenes unto themselves. And we just can't do without those scenes. So, so things for us do start, uh, do start quite early. I would say uh, also add to that that a lot of the the change that Bob is talking about based on um, our VFX breakdowns, j- just uh, for a, uh, a time frame for you, as for example, as uh, the first block is now shooting, as Bob said, we'll, we'll we're in three days in. Um, our second block director sh- shows up, arrives on Monday, so we start. So Chris and I will start working with him and Narain to uh, figure out exactly what is in his mind for the for our first block. And so that's how the block leapfrogging helps too. So we're tied to that director as well. And um and so as far as time frame goes, we're figuring that out up until um the the first even block starts shooting which will be in 3 weeks. I feel like there's a lot of moving pieces that never really stop going and uh, you know, it just, it takes so many people just, uh, a lot of time to work on just one thing. So. Yeah. <laughs> and, <laughs> and then added to that, uh, a lot of the times if one of the vendors, uh, for example, has built, uh, the Rossi or oh, a, a good example, well, let's call let's say the Rossi. So one of the vendors builds the Rossi and another vendor builds another ship, but they have to be together together in the same scene 
it, it becomes a challenge then to manage the multiple vendors and who does what part of what shot. So one shot isn't necessarily done by one visual effects vendor either. And sometimes there are as many as three or four, maybe even five. Uh, because sometimes even when those are done, then they go to the team that puts together, you know, the monitor inserts, which usually comes, uh, is at the end of that, that chain. So imagine all of those moving pieces as well with a very tight time frame. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I heard someone describe it last week that just production is, it's a living, breathing, organic thing. There's, it's, it's linear to a certain degree, but mostly it's just a very tangled web. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and the nice thing is that it's cohesive and then you guys are working together. And like you guys said, there's not really any um, bad seeds that you guys have to deal with. And you guys all work together for that common goal. And, and that's really good to see. And I mean, we see it in the work that you guys do. Thank you, Andrew. Yeah, great. Yeah. Thank you. All right. Well, we are just over an hour now, so uh, I, I want to wrap up things here. Uh, is there anything um, the four of you want to you know close with or uh, say? Because I, I know a lot of people will be listening to this that are obviously Expanse fans, so maybe a message to the fans. No spoilers, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> Season three is going to be the best so far. We'll hold you to that. <laughs> Krista, Kalen, anything you want to say? Um, just that thanks for watching. We do it for you guys and we're glad that you love the show as much as we do. Yeah, absolutely. I, I agree with that. And I love, um, interacting with all the fans. I'm on Twitter. I'm not on Reddit, but, um, just all the fans on Twitter. It's so much fun and you guys make every day like so worth it. I just, I love what I do and it's largely in part because of the fans. So Mm -hmm. thank you. Um, I will say that uh, um, I, 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 I agree with Kalen. Um, uh, the you know the writers' room and the production office and Ty and Daniel um, uh, you know uh, everybody involved um, on the show. Um, we interact with the fans. Uh, in me, I'm, I'm I'm actually more of a uh, uh, you know a Reddit guy, even though I'm on Twitter a lot. And Kalen's more of a Twitter person, and everybody and, and Ty's more more, more Twitter and Daniel's more Reddit. Um, I'm a little bit, country <laughs> there. you know, she's a little bit rock and roll. Um, uh, it's, uh, um, but it, we, we do it because we actually thoroughly enjoy it. Not because we feel like we have to, um, it's not that at all. Um, it's, it's great to be able to, to, to interact with people on a, on a, you know, uh, on a one-to-one basis in whatever, uh, um, social media forum we happen to be and sometimes face to face in real life. And, um, we, we do really like it. Um, and one of the things that I do want to leave, um, everybody with, um, uh, you know, I, I, I know, I remember clearly there was a concern, um, out on social media that between season one and season two, everybody thought season one was really great. And we're just going to, you know, put on the brakes on season two and it won't, you know, it was kind of a bait and switch kind of thing. Like season two won't be anywhere near as good as season one or, you know, we'll reduce the complexity and quality of the visuals or what have you. Um, and that didn't happen. And I can assure you absolutely between, uh, you know, season two and season three, uh, the same exact thing will happen. Um, you will have, you have no idea right now how, remarkably complex and cool and wonderful um season three is going to be it's it's uh you know i i i, I was just d- double tasking here a second ago i was looking at you know as as, as, uh, as somebody else was uh, answering a question um our concept designers had sent out uh, some new concepts for for some things 
uh, last night and I finally <laughs> opened him up while, we, while like I wasn't answering a question. I just like I literally opened him up five minutes ago and was looking at him. It's like it's just breathtaking. Took my breath away with these concepts. Um, so you guys are in for a treat. Awesome. Can't yeah, wait. I, I really appreciate the interactivity that you guys do, not just the four of you, but, um, you know, everyone that works on the show, even the cast that, you know, do the live tweets each Wednesday and, um, you know, just tweet throughout the week, even, even in the off season. Uh, it's a, it's a blessing and it not only helps us, but, you know, it makes us feel all like we're one big, happy, expanse family. And actually you are, mm-hmm. you are, that's, that's why we do it. You are. Uh, we do want to give you guys a chance to uh, let your social media handles be out there just in case anybody wants to follow you and say how much they enjoyed listening to this. Yeah, I need to plug mine because uh, Bob over there is catching up to me in Twitter, follow- Twitter followers. <laughs> he follows me every day about it. He says, oh, I'm 10 away. <laughs> um, so you can follow me on Twitter at hello Monroe. That's Monroe with a, with a U. Yeah. And an E on the end. Yeah, and an E on the end. <laughs> uh, and you can follow me on Twitter uh, at Brett Culp and uh, one T. One T. Um, I don't have a Twitter handle. <laughs> <laughs> you do have a Twitter handle. Let's get a damn Twitter handle. <laughs> that should be but, it. But um, all the taken. love from the fan world does get to me via the rest of my team. So, um yeah, I'll live vicariously through them. <laughs> um, for me, uh, I'm on Twitter. Um, I'm um, at ExpanseVFX, all one thing, no underscores. Um, and on Reddit, I'm slash you slash Gert underscore Johnny, G-E-R-T underscore J-O-N-N-Y. Awesome. Well, thank you guys again for joining us for this it was a lot of fun and i hope our listeners enjoyed it as well we had a lot of fun too thank you very much guys yeah it's great anytime thanks thank you thanks guys so if you want to send us feedback about this podcast you can send us an email it's crashcouch at randomchatter.com that will go to the three of us so uh, we'll all see it so yeah crashcouch at randomchatter.com and of course, you can find us online elsewhere too. Uh, go to facebook.com slash random chatter network. That'll be uh, our Facebook page for this, for all the shows on the random chatter network. You can find us on Twitter. Our Twitter handle for the show is at crash couch. You can also get us at random chatter. You can find me on Twitter. I'm at Lou Secchi. That's L O U S E C K I. Chris, where are you on Twitter? I'm at the curse of Chris. And Andrea, what's your uh, Twitter handle? At cats. Bears, and that's cats with a K and Z. And for those of us in, in the U.S., it's a Z. But <laughs> I got to poke fun of our Canadian friends across the border. I mean, it's okay, right? That, this needs to be part of the show, though. <laughs> <laughs> you guys pointing that out? Of course. All right, and help us spread the word on the podcast. Leave reviews on iTunes, Stitcher, and any other place where you are able to do so. And most importantly, tell your friends about us. We love interacting with the fans and look forward to everything that you need to say about it. 
And of course, we do like you to help us support the podcast. We appreciate everybody donating on Patreon. To find out more about that, you can go to patreon.com slash random chatter. That'll show you all the different levels we have in the Patreon donation. And probably one of the most popular ones is our $1 a month uh, level, which gets you into our Slack community, which we're pretty active in. And uh, more than just on the show, it's about anything from uh, the show to movies to politics to <laughs> you name it. we got a channel for it out there. So good way to interact with us on a more personal level. And um uh, it's definitely fun. Yeah, and sometimes you hear uh, some behind-the-scenes stuff about what goes on or, or things that are that are planned for not only this podcast but for others as well. So it's definitely worth worth the time and investment. I mean, tw- it's twelve dollars a month. What or twelve dollars a year? Well, it's a year. Yeah, I, know. I mean that's like a dinner somewhere. <laughs> Or, or in the case of uh, our, our one of our very good friends, two Subway meals. There you go. You Shout know, out to Derek. <laughs> it, definitely, you know, it, it, and not to lengthen this out here, but there was an ad yesterday that really bothered me. It was a Subway ad. They're having their $6 foot-long thing. It was like, you know, what's better than a, a foot-long sub for 6 bucks? Two for 12 And then and then they have them say math. And I'm going, okay, Two for twelve is the same as one for six. It's not better. <laughs> if you're doing your if you're doing your math right, this is exactly the same. I'm like, okay, whatever. Sorry, I digress. <laughs> uh, finally, the music that you hear on this podcast is "Welcome to the End" by Cell Dweller. Also, quick shout out to uh, our producer Ian for the new Crash Couch logo, which debuted uh, yesterday. Actually, we have a new logo. I didn't even know that. Yeah, come on, Lou, get with the program. Check Slack. Jeez. I have to look at that, yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, I think that's it for this episode of The Crash Couch. We will be back next month in August sometime for another episode. So until then, take care. <laughs>